0: Hey, how are you? Good. So, what did you guys learn about last week? What did you study last week? Yourself. You studied yourself. So, so just for fun. All right. Uh, where, where are my number eights? If you're number eight, let me see the number eights. Yeah, that's your pastor. Anybody surprised at that? What's, what's that called, the challenger? Is that, does that mean you're looking, is that what it's called? Is that, that's, that's the people who are looking for a fight? Is that, <laughs> uh, unhealthy? Is that all I am? That's really not very troubling. All right. Okay, did you get... Oh, I sent it to them. They didn't send it to you. Uh. So this will be real easy. These guys all have a copy, but... When I was in the Baptist church, um, the, word, the word stewardship was, um, everybody knew that that meant we were going to have a giving campaign. <laughs> is that what y'all's expectation is too? So just so you'll know, uh, I'm going to talk about stewardship, but I'm going to have a receiving campaign. That's what we're going to do. That's what, that's what uh, I have a big thing that I constantly talk about. I say that the Christian life is receiving and giving. And so you, and you need to know, you were designed to receive. Um, just uh, to receive and give. W- women understand this concept through childbirth better than men do. Um, but you're you're designed to receive, and then out of what you have received flows your life. Now, you and I are we're we're, we're stewards of the kingdom of God. I'm gonna have to be real careful tonight because if, let me tell you, there's a way of teaching this teaching that um, has like you remember Bam Bam from the Flintstones. There, you can teach it like that. And that's not, what's, that's not what's in my heart. But it's really the easiest way. It's kind of a, to be honest with you, it's kind of a, um, a preacher wants to take the, the path of, you know, I can really go at it and everybody will feel something. But it won't be good. You, you can do that. So get hold of the fact that tonight what I'm after is for you To understand that you have received the kingdom. Or as the book of Hebrews says, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. There is literally the power of a kingdom inside of you. That if you were the only one on earth that had it, it could still take over the world. It's a kingdom that cannot be shaken. This is why it's important for us to run away from our eschatologies that are all about being shaken. Because we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Now, however, to begin with, I'm going to take you to Jesus on on this business of stewardship and give you the, there's a foundational teaching. Um, Understand that when Jesus arrived here in the flesh that the people on earth who were the custodians of everything God had done were Israel. Now think on this a minute. We're talking about the world that's been around a very long time by then. And Israel are the stewards of the kingdom. And when Jesus comes, he comes with a very, very hard word for them. And, um, That's kind of where we'll begin. But know this, that if the master of of the house had known at what hour the thief was coming, he would not have left his house to be broken into. You also must be ready for the Son of Man is coming at an hour you do not expect. Peter said, Lord, you are telling this parable for us or for all? Are you telling it for us or for all? And the Lord said, who then is the faithful and wise manager whom his master will set over his household to give them their portion of food at the proper time? Blessed is that servant Whom his master will find so doing when he comes, truly I say to you, he will set them over all his possessions. Now always, I run into this always, always when I'm dealing with the parables of Jesus, um, one of the most common interpretive mistakes that people make is that when Jesus futurizes a teaching, everyone sticks it far future to us. But I think what's happening here is what's, what's usually happened when Jesus futurizes, it was future to them, it's past to us, but there's a present application for us. So there was a there was a stewardship that they had been given, and the Lord was looking for a a return on it, and it doesn't come. That's Luke 12. I, I take you to Luke because I want to take you past this passage. This is this is the this is bad stewardship. Now, Holy Spirit, will you come and teach this and break this bread for the folks? I'm going to take you very quickly where where this this, this thing is because you and I are stewards, we're the stewards of God in our time. It's not a it's not a it's not a religious duty to make you ashamed. Um, when you when when I make you ashamed, or when anyone makes you ashamed, you'll turn and blame somebody. When we feel ashamed, we turn around and blame. Well, that's not going to work for us. <sighs> what, what, the purpose of tonight is to empower you to be and to become. Okay. And the purpose of tonight is, is um, having received to receive and, and receiving to release. Okay? Because tomorrow you're the kingdom where you go. You're the kingdom. You're the presence of the king in that space. And blessed is a servant, the master will find so doing what? Um giving the portion of the Lord. Now, what does happen, just so you understand, what does happen to Israel. Is that, is that Jesus indicts their their stewardship for most of the time of his of his ministry? But listen, who he indicted was the was primarily the religious leaders who had compromised their, their call. He goes to a deeper teaching. Um. Well, let me finish this. But but if that servant says to himself, "My master's delayed." And begins to beat his male and female servants and eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he doesn't expect him. And an hour when he doesn't know. And will cut him in pieces and put him him with the unfaithful. And that servant who knew his master's will but did not get ready or act according to his will. Will receive a severe beating. But the one who did not know what he deserved, uh, that he deserved a beating will receive a light beating. Everyone to whom much was given to him, much is required and from whom uh, they entrusted much, they will demand more. So um, I, always, I always think that's a great teaching for anybody who lusts after a platform. <laughs> One of my biggest anxieties these days is how much I see uh, the People that that um, want the show, but don't want to look after the people. Anyway, that's a that's an aside, and that's, I'll preach that when I'm when I'm around the preachers. But Luke sixteen, he unpacks the test a little bit, and this is actually one of my favorite passages in the Bible. So I'm going to give this to you, and. Then we'll unpack it a little bit. The one who is faithful in very little is faithful in much. And the one who is dishonest in little is also dishonest in much. In other words, there's no little white lies. Then if you have not been faithful in the unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you the true riches? And if you've not been faithful in that which is another's, who will give you that which is your own? No servant can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve God and money. That's the illustration he uses. But this teaching, um, this, this teaching is one of my favorite ones because as a leader, uh, to be honest with you, when I'm dealing with people, I always have this text in my mind. Because what you're looking for, if you want to assign an assignment to people, is you're looking for the faithful people. And so this is the test of faithfulness. And, and again, there's a hard way to teach this. I'll, it'll go, I'll go ahead and let that fall the way it falls, but, but I'm after something bigger, much bigger. So how do you find faithful stewards? Uh, number one, whenever anybody comes to me and they want a big assignment, I give them a little assignment. Or if they want a glamorous assignment, I give them an unglamorous assignment. Or if they want want a notable assignment, I give them an anonymous assignment. Always, always. So, you know, it's it's really amazing uh, how how often, and this didn't happen to me this long ago, was um, somebody came in and told me they were a prophet. And... And then just to prove it, they prophesied a flattering prophecy over me. And I mean, the veneer of that is so thin. It was embarrassing. I was kind of embarrassed. But I was trying to work on my jadedness, so I decided to be warm about it. Right? And it wasn't long before... I found out that this person had come in to tell me their pedigree, so that I would give them a, a platform. And it didn't happen quickly, and then wasn't long before they were prophesying all the things that were wrong with me in the church, and off they went. And that's just the cost of doing business, guys. It's just the reality. In any kind of leadership, you'll have this in your jobs. You'll have this anywhere you go. But you'll have people that come in, blow big trumpets, and and then they, they there's all it's all it's all tell and no show. So anyway, Jesus said, if somebody's really faithful in little things, you can you can count on that person. So pay attention to the people around you. Uh, I always tell somebody if you have a job and you wanna you wanna you wanna succeed in your job, be the person who does things that are not your job, but you do them anyway because you're at work. All the all the all the unfaithful stu- stewards, all the unfaithful servants, will be mad at you. <laughs> I have some stories to tell about past history, but. They, they always end up sounding wrong. So it's very, very true. If you, if you have a job and all of a sudden you're doing something that's not your job, but it just needs doing, that's the way to go forward. That's just the way to go forward. So um, if you're with a prophet, carry the prophet's Bible, for crying out loud. Carry his bag. Hang out with him and don't ask for FaceTime. Just serve and I always tell people go to the person that you're wanting to serve and tell them you'll do anything they ask they'll find out tell them you'll do anything they ask and you know you have to have decided when you do that to take out the garbage you have to have decided when you do that to um you're, you're on the you you're on the foot washing detail all right, so that you know this lesson this is not this is not hard this is a hard lesson to take in it 's not hard to understand and and everybody who ever leads does this don't they danny and then the three tests that are hidden kind of woven into this text is is that is that if you've not been unfaithful in unrighteous wealth, who will entrust to you true riches? Um, I, had, I had a lot of fun last week, I was in the company of, uh, of, of Global Awakening, and uh, I've, I've uh, oh, I don't have it on me. It's in my office. I've become uh, very well known for my pocket money, because I teach about pocket money all the time. And so sure enough, I was at Global Awakening last week and I lost my pocket money. There's nothing worse than having to tell your wife that you've lost your pocket money. Because <laughs> you're kind of saying, you're kind of saying, I need some money, but you can't say it because you haven't been a good steward of your money. You know, like you lost your pocket money. So, sure enough, I had to tell Gail I lost my pocket money. And then she wanted to know how much, and I was like, yeah, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Right, <laughs> But I was in a crowd of really, really wonderful people. And all of a sudden there's an announcement. We found a bank envelope with some money in it. And if it's yours, you can go to such and such and tell them how much is in the envelope. And you, you know, there you go. It was my money. There was a faithful people. They were faithful with unrighteous mammon. It wasn't theirs. That's a pretty good crowd to be running around in. Okay? If you've not been faithful, so the double test is the money, and if you've not been faithful with that which is another's, so who will give you that which is your own? So what does it mean to be faithful with somebody else's stuff? It means when you borrow something, take it back clean. If you borrow their car, put gas in it. You 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 understand what I'm saying? If you you use something that belongs to somebody else, take care of it. It's just a simple thing. This is simple stuff. This is Jesus teaching simple stuff. Um, If you've not been faithful with something that belongs to another, who will give you that which is your own? Uh, I'm dealing a lot with the issue of Restoration? And usually in pastoral ministry, restoration means somebody's been sexually immoral, or they've, or they've been abusive to people, or they've taken money. Usually it's the first. Now, that's failing the test of faithfulness with something that's not yours. It's a really big deal. It's a really big deal. So, now what you're going to get hold of here is that stewardship means you get an others' orientation about your life instead of a self orientation about your life. Kingdom thinking is others oriented. All right? No one so, so faithfulness with something that's... No one can serve the two masters. Okay, so the meaning on the significant, faithfulness with money, faithfulness with that which belongs uh, to another. And then listen, the, the, the faithfulness test, it reveals your fidelity. Because listen, what you steward well is what you're faithful to. So listen, if you, know, you want to find people... <laughs> Sometimes people will take other things that they're faithful with and that'll, that'll also mean they'll be faithful in kingdom things. But lots of times I, I, people will say to me that they want some sort of responsibility in kingdom things, but their whole life says that what they really want is to play. And, um. I have some concern. Anyway, like I said, I can, turn, I can become a Baptist preacher really quickly here. I'm going to be careful not to. But, but what's happening is the, the test of faithfulness reveals our heart. That's what's going on here. The test of faithfulness reveals our heart. What's in your heart will be revealed by the test of faithfulness. Now, the reality is that every one of us needs some heart work. I still need some. Anybody else? Anybody else? Nobody needs some? I I still need some heart work. I got to have some heart work. I have to get heart surgery on a regular basis. (sighs) Um, Now what I want to do is I want to get my life to where I think kingdom immediately instead of having to work up to it. I want when the crisis comes, when the trouble comes, when the problems come, I'm geared kingdom-wise rather than geared crisis-wise or whether I'm geared doom and gloom-wise. This just takes a lot of work. I'm old and there, there might not be enough time. But we're, working, we're getting after this. But we're looking for faithful stewards. And Jesus is looking for faithful stewards. So people ask me all the time, how to how to get into how to get into ministry, and since this is a, our idea is Kingdom School for people that are ministry minded. How do you get into ministry? You pass the test of faithfulness, and you really pay attention to it. Um, I failed this miserably when I was in college. I had a I had a man that was uh, that started a college ministry my freshman year at Mississippi College, and uh, I was with him my freshman and sophomore years, which were his uh, first and second years of seminary at a local seminary. Then he went on an internship. While he was on an internship, he said, Alan, next year, you'll oversee the small groups. You'll oversee the ministry. I didn't have any, you're going to love this. I didn't have confidence that I could do it. I wasn't confident in my character or my charisma, as in charisms of God. I wasn't confident at all. And so what I did was, I did the thing that's in the Bible. I, I tried to freeze it and keep it just like it was, and it fell apart. And so the, the next year the guy came back and I had failed miserably. And um, fortunately, he under, he, in his case, and, in, in the, and this is where we're going to, look, we're gonna mess up. And when you're early on doing this, you're gonna mess up. This is not, what we're working with here is not uh, the first time you mess up, you're out. This is when your heart gets revealed, then you begin again with better information and better understanding and a better place of grace. Okay, I know that you read about Jesus and there was a hard word of judgment there. But that hard word of judgment came after hundreds of years of prophets. The Lord was long suffering with his people. And um, so don't, don't walk away from that. And all the way through Jesus' life, he said, well, they have, the, they have the prophets. They have the law and the prophets. They have two witnesses. And they had not listened to them for a long time. The text get where God puts his deposit and how he stewards it. Where God puts his deposit and how he stewards it. This is the text I want to go to next. Let's look at this. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he'll suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, only as through fire. Um, I'm going to say something that for all of my Protestant historic friends is going to sound really terrible. But I'm going to say it anyway because you'll live through it. You're saved by grace, but you're absolutely judged by works in the Bible. And even being saved by grace, you're still judged by works. Okay. And so... Paul's given a teaching about works, and he's talking about building on foundation. He says, if what you built survives, you receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he suffers loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire, the fire that purges and refines. Um, By the way, if you want any kind of a, you want to have some fun, now we'll really have some fun, you'll really think me a heretic. This is the seed version of purgatory for anybody who wants to build a doctrine of purgatory. We can talk. And no, I don't believe in purgatory. But I do believe in the refining fire of God. Okay. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Okay, that is where God has put his deposit. And this is how he stewards it. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him for God's temple is holy and you are that temple. Now, there's a bad way that that scripture's been taught and some of you have fallen prey to it and then there's a way that scripture is to be understood. Let me tell you what that doesn't mean. That doesn't mean that people who commit suicide go to hell. Can we talk? As I was being said here, and um, I've... I've, I've, I've if you, if you live with people any length of time, if you pastor people any length of time, somebody, you're gonna have the sorrow of somebody's life being taken. And it, this is one of the things that we, we face in this world. And, and, and nobody, so somebody will sometimes say to me, uh, pastor, if I commit suicide, will I, will I go to hell? And I say, well, are you thinking about committing suicide? Because yes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I, you know, I'll stop you any way I can. <laughs> I, and, and where do you live? Because I'm coming over. <laughs> you, you understand? Um, but but this, this passage has a teacher. So let me give you what, what I want you to get. Do you not know that you are God's temple and the spirit of God dwells in you? This is God's stewardship of himself and his presence. So what I'm after tonight, most of all, is this. New Life City, you're on this earth to steward the presence of God. That, this is why we're here. This means when you walk in the room, he's there. This means when you're, when you're present, his presence is manifest. Jesus is there. The incarnation is there. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Gotta get this Now, Now, this was the thing that Israel was not very good at stewarding. Well, how do you know that? Well, because uh, two things, the way they treated the prophets and the way they treated the presence itself. The prophets were those people who they were the ones that they did, listen, they were the in-flesh spirit carriers. And all the way through Israel, Israel's great sin was resisting the Holy Spirit, or if you will, not stewarding the presence of God. That comes to its apex with Stephen's sermon about the temple. And about why are you always resisting the presence of God? And they and they stoned him for that. But this goes all the way back. This all goes all the way back when God first spoke to Israel, and they said, Don't do that. This goes back to when when Moses anointed uh, or made an impartation and 70, actually 68 prophesied and then they didn't steward the gift of prophecy. They didn't, they didn't carry it out. And, and there was this constant quenching of the spirit, constant quenching of the voice of God. And listen, the New Testament church hadn't been that much better at this. I, and I... Uh, lots of people will come to our church and they'll say well you guys speak in tongues in this way and you guys prophesy in this way and I'll say well tell me how you do it because I like the way I do it better than the way you don't do it (laughs) I'm kind of catty about that I'll get kind of snarky but listen this is what I'm after for us tonight this is where I want us to go this is is, this is the season it's time Come on, New Life City, we're the stewards of the presence of God. I got one agenda Friday night through through Sunday morning with the men, presence of God on these men. One, One agenda to get them so saturated in the presence of God that they have a new way of walking in it. And I got one agenda in the church uh, I want, I want the presence of God. Now it's disturbing, and I, I had a wonderful, I had a wonderful encounter. Beautiful young couple, and they told about a manifestation of the presence of God, and they said it scared them. And what they didn't know was that inwardly I said, "Yay," but outwardly I tried to explain in comfort. But, but the presence of God is disturbing, and it's the right thing to fear. Even if you don't understand it. But beautifully, let me tell you what, they were beautifully, they were were like honestly asking questions because they don't want to quench the presence of God, right? So this is the deal. Do you not know that you're God's temple and the spirit of God dwells in you? Israel's great mistake was this stuff. Now, remember when, when Israel sought a king? What happened when Israel sought a king? They had conflict with the Philistines and for most of 1 Samuel, the, the Ark of the Covenant is in the possession of the Philistines. Actually, not for most of that book, but for, but for most, of, most of the references to that book deal with that subject. There's only one instance in the book of 1 Samuel where Saul says, you got to go get the Ark of the Covenant. Most of the time, Saul had no interest in the presence because Saul was interested in his presence. Everything you learn about Saul is that, is that, is that Saul is that, is that person that, that's egocentric. Um, all the time... I, huh. I'm more offended by preachers that are obsessed with themselves than I am by preachers who commit sexual immorality. Because it's more deceptive. By the way, a lot of times they're the same preacher. Um, and I... I, honestly, if I, have a, if I have a role to speak into when I, when I know that there's been a, an instance where sexual immorality has been the thing that's been present, I say, go get the ego sorted out. Go get the self-orientation sorted out. You've got to have an other's orientation. I have to care more about you than about me. Otherwise, I'll objectify you, use you, and discard you. This is family. This is what family is. This is what marriage is. Is, is that suddenly I'm married now? Suddenly, it's not about me anymore. It's, I'm sorry, that day's over. It's not about me anymore. How, how far do I push this? me not this time. Um, now so when Paul tries to sort out the Corinthians and there's a lot of mess in the Corinthians Paul's whole agenda for sorting out the Corinthians is to get them to understand themselves. So he says do you not know and the answer would have been really? Because so, I'm telling you even having had the experience of Jesus and even having had the experience of glossolalia, speaking in tongues and some of the other charismatic gifts. Numerous times through the Corinthian corpus, Paul has to say to him, don't you know you're the temple? You're the actual holy of holies. The word he uses there is naos. Uh, there's a word for temple that meant the the larger structure, but the naos was the, was the Holy of Holies. It was the, that cubical place of the Ark of the Covenant and the burning flame. And he says, that's what you are. That's what you are. And so he wants them to get the mind of Christ. Don't you know, don't you know, don't you know, don't you know. So New Life City, here's what I want, want for us. We have to steward what's been given to us. Always, always spirit movements cool. And they and they usually cool because people make mistakes. Because every time somebody makes a mistake, we make a make a mistake. We make a rule, which usually means somebody acts badly in in the way of spiritual gifts, and we draw a bigger wall to stop them. So I was listening to Heidi Baker tell her testimony the other day, and she said, you know, she talked about uh, being at Toronto, and she talked about the screaming out that she did under the power of God. And how glad she is that they didn't stop her. She said, because she couldn't stop anyway. But they let the chaos go because the presence of God was so great. And the presence of God has gone out from that place. And I'm telling you, I'm 100% sure that God is wanting to do in a 100 places what he did in that one place. Come on. This is what he wants to do with us. Now, what does it require? It requires our stewardship of these things. Oh, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. I remember hearing the testimony of my friend Bill Johnson. Bill, And and by the way, Bill will be back here in March. Bill and and Randy are coming in March. And um, you're going to have to take off work. So just do it. There'll be... There'll be 600 seats in here. They'll all be filled. It won't be Alan speaking. (laughs) doesn't bother me. Don't worry. Um, It'll be... be, So I heard Bill talking. And Bill, Bill talked about... He told the testimony of how he'd gone to John Wimber's meetings in the 80s. And the presence of God came. And it came on his church in Weaverville. I'd never really heard this part of his testimony before. And he said... They didn't know how to steward it. They didn't know how to steward it. So he said, I just told God, he said, I, I began to tell God that he I wanted, I wanted another chance. This, by the way, this is the same thing John Arnott prayed because John Arnett had a visitation in that uh, Shakespeare town. Stratford. In Stratford. And and they, they quenched the spirit by putting a bunch of rules on who could prophesy and how. They put, they put so many rules on it that they quenched it. So, two cases. And, and uh, Arnott said, you know, started repenting, crying out for God to come pour his spirit out. And Randy came and God poured his spirit out on Toronto. Well, Bill, um, after what had happened to him with, with, with uh, John Wimber, he heard about it, and so he, so he went. And, and Bill will tell you, he said, I got, he, he said, I got in line just like, he said, as many times as I could. And, and this I love this about Bill. He said, and, and I didn't feel anything. Now, he later had an encounter with God in his own house that, that he thought he was going to die. But what he did was he received, and he knew he received, and he didn't care whether he felt anything. And so he said, he and Benny went, went home to their um to their church. Was, went home to um Bethel, I think. Was it Bethel? Or was this at Weaverville? Might have been at Weaverville. Yeah, I think it was at Weaverville. And so they invited people to come. And he said, we, we invited Holy Spirit to come follow on the people. And he said, he said, he said one little, one lady, one lady had a manifestation of the Spirit. And listen, he said. I knew we had it. Really? Now just think about that. Really? You knew you had it? Really? I knew. And he thought about that. And he said, "He said I told, what he had told God, he said, I told God, if you, will, if you will come again, I'll never change the subject. And I always thought, what, what did he mean by that? Because I didn't even say that. And what he meant was that if that if God would never bring his presence in a manifest way upon the congregation again, I'll never change the subject. So the subject he's never changed is from the presence of God, not the manifestation of the Spirit. Yeah. This is the subject, Charlie. This is, and and you, know, you know, God has given you guys a respite. And we all were like, the, 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 the project there on has been postponed a few months. And we're gonna steward that time. Who knows? more songs, but whatever we know, more presence. I want you to begin praying for the presence of God on, on Charlie, on the worship team, and on, the, on what they're going to bring. Just, be, just begin praying. And, and begin praying again for the manifestation of the Spirit in our worship to be so strong that people won't even know what's going on when they come in there and go, something happened to me when I came in your building. This is what we're... So, so listen, what, what do they mean? One person... And I know what he means. Have you ever been camping and, and tried to start a fire? Then you know what we mean. Because you know if you can get one little flame to start, if you know how to steward it, you can build a mighty fire. One little touch. And this is what God says. So, what God wanted for the Corinthians, He wants them to He wants them to receive. Don't you know you're the temple? His Spirit dwells in you, and He wants them to not be like they were in the days of Israel. The beauty of David and why everyone loves David is because what David understood was the stewardship of the presence of God, and that's why David, when David received the anointing of Holy Spirit on himself, he wanted that that presence of that anointing for the whole people, and he knew that. would not come through him but through the presence of God in the tabernacle and so he he, he went through everything he had to go through and he made a mess of it but he learned how to do it right and he got he got the presence of God he brought the ark of the covenant into the city of David and they made a place for the present active worship of the king of kings come on church this is what we're after this is what we're hungry for I don't need a seminar, I need him. I need you, Jesus. I need you to touch me again. So listen, just one one little ember, even that old, what sounds like now a goofy song back in the 70s, it only takes a spark to get her fire burning, but it's so true. And I realized that my, my friend Bill understood that. Now, if anyone destroys God's temple, that means... Here's what it means, so you'll understand it. It means the curse of God is on anyone that attempts to destroy his living temple in the people of God. It means the church is indestructible. The real church, the church within the church, the living church, that living dynamic presence of God, it cannot be destroyed. God put a He sealed it with a curse. If anybody touches the Ark of the Covenant that I have placed on this earth, they're set for destruction. Can you get this? This is like the curse in the book of Revelation. Don't add to or take away from this book. Don't mess with the holy presence of holy God. Nurture it. Now, he's in you. He's in you. Huh. Steward what's in you. Say, How? And I've, tried, I've told you how lately. How do you, how do you steward a fire? You know what a fire needs? Once you get a spark, you know what you need? You, you need a l- enough wind. You, you need enough breath. Here's how wind works with a fire. If you have a candle, wind will blow a fire out. But once you get a blaze going, wind will set the world on fire. Okay. Now, what is wind? I'm just going to, I'm getting real weird on you today. It's the breath of God. So how do I steward the presence of God in me? Breathe, church, breathe. I'm not even kidding a little bit. Your presence bearers, set your affections on God. Meditate on the presence of God and breathe and be filled again. Be filled again. You say, I don't feel filled. I don't feel filled. Then breathe. And listen, what was I after? To be honest with you, what I was after 25 years into my Christian life, what was I after? I was after an experience of the presence of God that nobody had to tell me about I knew. And listen, a lot of people say, well, I remember people trying to say, well, what that is, that's speaking in tongues. That's great. Half the people I know that spoke in tongues faked it. A whole bunch of other ones did it once and quenched it. I ask people all the time, do you speak in tongues? Well, I did once. Well, then stop stopping. (laughs) (laughs) (coughs) Fan into flame the gift of God that's in you. The tongues is not the sign of the Holy Spirit, but it's a sign of the Holy Spirit. But the sign of the Spirit is the Spirit. And when the Spirit fills you, you know you're filled. And so I was like, no, I'm not going to give up until I have enough experience with God. My experience of salvation was such that nobody had to tell me I was saved. My experience of the fullness of the Holy Spirit would be such that I would know I was filled because I was not empty anymore. We said, well, that creates a desperation. Good. All barrenness creates desperation. And the barrenness of our souls, it creates this desperation in us. guns where I can't do without getting alone every day, away from people. I started attributing it to introvert, extrovert. It's nothing. It's, it's I, need, I need to be alone in the presence of God. You say, what do you do? I be alone in the presence of God. It, because I've learned how to know to know the tangible presence of God. Worship is miserable if you don't know the presence of God. And if worship has to create the presence of God for you, it's almost as miserable. When worship is wonderful is when worship, all it does is facilitate what's already alive in you. I don't want to be... Uh, I don't want to be people we we have to be brought into worship or we have to be fed. Are you kidding me? Are, are we we're not we're not paraplegics in the whole, in the in the gospel. We're grown-ups. We eat and drink and and breathe and feed ourselves. We steward it. I'm not going to get finished. It really doesn't matter cuz I'm already finished. <laughs> now, he goes on. According to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation. I love Paul. Wait, what? Like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building on it. This is a holy eye. This is not the eye that makes you that 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 draws all the attention to yourself. It draws attention to the thing being built. Let each one take care how he builds upon it, for no one can lay on a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. People say, well, what kind of legacy do you want? I don't want any legacy. I want Jesus to have all the legacy. I don't need a legacy. What do I need a legacy for? What is that about? I thought all the crowns went to his feet. When you're standing before him, your fame will feel like shame. I just want to build on the foundation if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day we'll disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of each one is done and Paul is saying to them he's basically saying to them be a master builder, get the right kind of material and build and he's assuming that they know how to do that okay so testing our stewardship what God invests, man must not divest. He's given you life in the Holy Spirit, steward it. And, and I've said that, that which is, what is destroying the temple? I told you, what's destroying the temple? And look, look don't get this persecution complex. The world is against us. Just understand this. Uh, understand this. The powers in this world are set to destroy what God is building. And God has really said... He's going to deal with it. So who are we and how are we proceeding? Well, Paul said we're like master builders, building on a foundation. We're actually participants in this. We're actually participants in this. For years and years and years and years and years, I'm going to be honest with you, for years, I felt futility in the, in the labor of the gospel. And I used to tell my wife, I don't have anything to show for all these years of labor. Now, there's two things needed going on there. One was, I needed healing inside myself. And two was, I needed healing inside myself. <laughs> well, I got the healing inside myself, which was a healing of of, 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 of moving from a mere servant, because we are servants, to sonship. And, and I had an awakening of sonship. And I'll be talking about that with the men on Friday night. And, uh, and uh, um, the other thing that happened was, and I'll be honest with you, it was once I got filled with the Holy Spirit. All of a sudden, everywhere I go in my life, somebody would come and say, this is what you did. And i go, I didn't even know. And that's what you want in your life. So there was a you guys have heard me talk about Laura Stark before. I've talked about Laura. I've told you. I remember if you don't remember, I said Laura Stark was a lady who used to pray with her, and Laura had this immediacy. I called it an immediacy, meaning Laura was like, we still start to pray, oh Lord, and Laura was like immediately in the throne room. And and, and you can just like all of us are speaking and she's praying. And it just provoked me. It provoked me. I said, Lord, I don't know what that is. And I didn't. I didn't know how to pray like that. And now I, I make people crazy all the time because I say, let's get in the presence of God. There it is. It's not something I achieved. It's something I received. And it's not something that I hadn't had. It's something I came into the awareness of. Listen, seeing they don't see, hearing they don't hear, and remembering they, ah. Oh. So when you can't see, you can't hear, you can remember. Every one of you can remember something that God has done. When you can't see, you can't hear, remember. And when you remember, you'll get connected to the presence again. Now learn how to go there instantly. Now learn how to be there In the crisis, oh, that's the hard part. It is. It is. I still like my woe, woe is me moment. I I really enjoy it. (laughs) We're all trained to be really uh, virtuous victims, but God doesn't want that for us. He doesn't design us for it. Okay, Galatians is the ongoing work of the Spirit through us. And since I preached on this uh, Sunday, I gave this back to you and I won't go through this, you have it, except for one passage. Uh, For time's sake, I stopped short and I didn't give this passage, so I just wanna read this. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse, for it is written, cursed be everyone who does not abide in all the things written in the book of the law and do them, got that? So if you wanna do the law, just understand It's a hard master. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God or reckoned righteous before God by the law. For the the righteous live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them lives by them. But Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. Uh, For it is written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. Okay? Now, I really would love to stop and preach on that, but I really just want to read this one verse. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might do what? Receive the promised spirit through faith. Okay, two things I'll give you real quick. In John, Jesus talks about the promise of my father. And it's really interesting because you say, well, what does that mean? What promise of my father? The promise of the Father that John was talking about is the blessing of Abraham, which is receiving the Holy Spirit. And all this is about receiving. So let me press this again. You want to steward what God wants you to steward, you have to be receiving. Your life is ruined when you stop receiving Your life is over when you stop receiving love. Your marriage is a wreck when you stop receiving your spouse. Your relationship is at work is, is, is ruined when you stop receiving. So people swear that I'll never, I'll never love again. I'll never get close to anybody again. I'll never let anybody hurt me again. I'll never, I'll never, I'll never. You're dead people walking. You're supposed to be wide open and you're wide open to receiving the grace of God because listen, the rest of that stuff is coming at you anyway. You can say nobody's gonna hurt me ever again and you're still gonna get hurt. You're gonna say I never love again and you're still gonna need love. You can never yourself forever (laughs) and it won't heal you. Only receiving enough will heal you. Now this is where I do have to back up and this is the reason that I actually put this on here is because those who receive must keep receiving. So you can be filled with the Spirit and still need to, be, need to have the Spirit come upon you. Why? Because the Spirit fills you for you but He comes upon you for the world. It comes upon you for the mission. It comes upon you for the other And I just love this. I just love that I came through this, um, came to this passage. He, he who supplies the spirit. Any of you, when the, when the supply line is broken, you're in trouble, whether you're at war or watering the grass. The supply line must, must go on. Okay, okay. I'm running out of time. Everybody doing Okay. Okay, so the principles of stewarding. Number one is receiving. Number two is receiving repeatedly. Number three is receiving sonship. <laughs> and he talked about sonship, the sonship, sons of Abraham, because the son of Abraham was the son of God. So we are the, we are the sons of Abraham, the sons of David, the sons of God through Jesus Christ. And then receiving ancient promises for immediate blessing. Okay, you that old song? Don't stop believing. Don't stop receiving. (laughs) Don't don't stop receiving. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. Keep receiving. receiving. (laughs) You want to fix your marriage? Receive receive one another. Stop. Stop quenching one another. You have to learn that. I have a lot of fun now because Gail and I banter so strongly that all our staff around us is afraid because they've not lived long enough to banter like we banter and get away with it. Because we banter with one another and it's love language now. But when she was 20, if I bantered with her like I do now, I was a dead man. There was going to be no receiving. But we've received so much that our that our elevate that our relationship is elevated. Elevated towards not threatened. Not endangered. Newlyweds, keep receiving. How? Yeah. Amen. The way you did in the beginning. Unlocking the mystery of stewarding the mystery. All right, almost finished. So all I did here was I did an interlude in Galatians. Now I'm back to 1 first, uh, first Corinthians 4. This is how one should regard us as servants of Christ. Now there's that word servants. The word servant in the Bible is not a bad word. It's not a bad word. And some, sometimes we juxtapose servant and son in a way that make it a bad word. But but in the, in the scriptures, sonship is such a powerful thing that servanthood is turned into something different by the nature of sonship. And this is why the apostles can call themselves the bondservants of Christ. Because their sonship is so intact. So we are the servants of Christ, and I love this, listen, stewards of the mysteries of God. Ah, there it is, there it is, there it is. So what is... And this is where he says, moreover, it's required of stewards that be found faithful. Now I'm back in Luke 16. With the right adjustment. You're the steward of the mysteries of God. In other words, you've graduated from small things, from mammon, from things that belong to others, to the mysteries of God. They're yours. What are the mysteries of God? In the Bible, mysteries are hidden things, but if you understand the Bible, if you read it carefully, everything that is called a mystery in the Bible is something that He is revealing. Every every mystery is is a secret thing revealed. And so what they're saying is all the hidden secrets of God throughout the ages that the prophets didn't fully understand, that the law didn't fully clearly reveal, all those mysteries are plain for us. What our eye has seen, what our ear has heard, what our hands have handled, the word of life. And they all come back to the person of Jesus and what he gives. Moreover, it's required of stewards that be found faithful. With me, it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you. I love this. This is like, this should be my life verse. Uh, uh, Let me me interpret it for you. I don't care what you think of me. (laughs) You can be dangerous that way. Very little that I should be judged by you or any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. What? Well, I'll have to go to this tomorrow night because listen, when I fully entered into sonship, I stopped judging myself. It's a strange thing. Now, this doesn't mean I can't be confronted by God, convicted by God. It just meant I quit hating myself every day over all the things that I ought to be doing. I can tell you how, how healthy somebody is by how, how, how often they tell me what they ought to be doing. Because God doesn't live in the ought. He doesn't ought you and should you to into misery. That's religion. That's the leaven of the Pharisees. He sons you. this is why you can listen to him when he needs to sort you out and correct you it's a very small thing that I should be judged by you or any human court I don't judge myself for I'm for I'm and I like this I'm not aware of anything against myself but that doesn't make me acquitted listen to that it's the Lord who judges me therefore don't pronounce judgment before the time before the Lord comes who will bring to light the things now hidden in darkness and will disclose the purposes of your heart then each one will receive his commendation from God. Now, listen, there are many, many things. Here's how you live your life. There are many, many things that reveal your heart. Those things are not intended to condemn you. They are intended to correct your course and adjust your path because the condemnation is over. So yeah, like, come on, it happens to us. We get squeezed and we go, I can't believe that came out of me again. It informs me to adjust. My, I get I, now. I can adjust my course. Start again with better information. There's more to be teach taught in this, but I'm. I have. I have. I have a very clear purpose. Uh, let's see. I've applied all these things to myself and Apollos, for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written, that none of you may be puffed up in favor of one against the other. Or who sees anything different in you? And this is where, this is where, this is, I, give, I'm, I can give you an attitude that will just change everything. What do you have that you didn't receive? This is such a powerful question. Because listen, you know that whole thing in, that was in Corinth? Well, we're of Paul, we're of Cephas, Peter, we're of Apollos, you know, we're of Christ. We're the Jesus party. You know that thing that was in there? All of that was evidence that even though these Christians had received salvation and great anointings and been filled with the spirit and had many gifts, their identity was still in need of healing because they're having to declare their identity. I see this all the time. This happens in, one of the things I love about my Global Awakening family is is how little of this I have to see among the brethren. I'm living in a community where everybody is for each other, excited about the good things each other are having, encountering and celebrating one another and and not saying, well, I have this. Well, I have this. Well, I have this. Uh, I actually live in a community where nobody asks me how big my church is as a means of measuring how wonderful I am. How awesome is that? But so here's what he says What do you have that you didn't receive? My good looks and charm? Nope. But he had it that you didn't receive. And if you received it, why are you boasting? As if you didn't receive it. Oh, this is beautiful. So this will clean it up for you. All right, I'm almost out of time. Um, Hallelujah, you can read. (sighs) I do not write these things to make you feel ashamed. Ah, oh, that's, that's how I preach. This is, this is how I want to preach. I do not preach to make you feel ashamed, but to admonish you as my beloved children. But though you have countless guides in Christ, you don't have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you, therefore, be imitators of me. I love this about Paul. You don't read this stuff and get a sense of his egotism. You, get a, you read this stuff and get a sense of his sobriety. That's why I sent you Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you, listen to this, of my ways. And of course he says in Christ. But so so listen, we're not to be people that wring our hands and always correct each other's language. Paul's not getting his language corrected here. as I teach them everywhere and in every church. Some are arrogant, as though I'm not coming to you. (laughs) And here's what he's saying. I am a father, here's how you know, because I'll come sort you out. But I'll come to you soon if the Lord wills, and I'll find out. Not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. But the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but power. Okay. What do you wish? Shall i come to you with a rod or with love, in the the spirit of gentleness. The kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but power. Okay, so what do we want? Presence, because where the presence is, the power is. Stewarding Stewarding the presence so that people can access the power. If you steward the presence, people can access the power for deliverance. If you steward the presence, people can access the power for healing. If you steward the presence, people can access the power for identity. If you steward the presence, you got it? You got it? This is what we're stewards of. And the mystery of God is Christ in you. You're the temple. Okay, so there it is. Conflict, confrontation, and comfort. And you can, you can sort all that out. Okay, stand together.